right. Thank you so much. Listen, grab your Bible and turn with me to Revelation chapter number 21. Revelation chapter 21. Is this where it needs to be, Mike? Are we all good? Okay. All right. Now, we're going to do a little review in the beginning to catch us all up where we are from where we started in the series, because this is probably going to be the last message in this series, and we'll, we'll just wrap it up together tonight if we get done with it. And, uh, and, and cover what's coming next. Uh, I don't know if you uh, are watch the news and everything that's going on, but uh, this thing is about to come to an end. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I'm ready for our Lord's return. Amen. Revelation, if you have your Bible, Revelation chapter 21 and verse number one, verse number one. If you're there, say Amen. It says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, and neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Can we take a minute and just say amen right there? Amen. that's, That's worth a shout right there. Amen. Verse number five, and he that sat upon the throne said, behold. Behold means stop and pay attention what I'm fixing to say. This is important. Behold, read it with me. I make all things new. Say it again. I make all things new. Everybody at Fairview helping now. You ready? Here we go. I make all things new. And he said unto me, write. See, see, John done got called up in what he was seeing. He done stopped writing. Jesus had to remind him, write, write. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for a, a building. Thank you so much for a, a hungry crowd who wants to learn. Uh, thank you for your word that encourages us and challenges us and convicts us and corrects us. And Lord, thank you just for salvation. Thank you for hope. Thank you for a future. Lord, thank you for uh, all that you've done for us in the past. And Lord, what we know you've got planned for us in the future. And Lord, I pray that you'll help me. Lord, I desperately need your touch. I need you to touch my mind, clear my thoughts. I pray that I only say what you want me to say. Lord, don't let me forget anything I need to say. But Lord, don't let me get caught up and, and, and get in the flesh, but stay in the spirit and the anointing. I pray that you'll control me, control my words, control my thoughts. And God will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I got a lot I want to give you tonight if I have time, uh, but we'll try to cover at least the outline itself and, and maybe a little more if we, if we do have time. Uh, last week, you, you learned about the city of God, the city of heaven, uh, actually the city coming down out of heaven, New Jerusalem, and uh, we're going to touch a little bit on that uh, because it is part of the eternal state. When you get to Revelation 21 and 22, it covers the eternal state. In other words, what's it going to be like when everything is said and done? When time is no more, when there is no longer time, only eternity, the final product, if you will, the final outcome, the final future of God's people. And so we're going to do that 21 and 22, but just let's do a, a, just a brief uh, short review of uh, where we started with this whole deal. When we, we come out of Daniel, if you'll remember, Daniel is the Old Testament uh, version of the New Testament revelation, and it's a book of prophecy, things to come. And so when we came out of that, 
we decided we're just going to look at what's next. All right. What do we have to look forward to? What's next on God's calendar? Uh, what has got to happen next? And we know that everything is fulfilled. Everything has taken place. Uh, we are ready for the rapture of the church. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. I need a witness. He's coming back. He's coming back. He told us, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. That's, that's the rapture. That's the coming of the Lord in the air. We said the rapture of the church is the next thing on God's prophetic calendar. And then we said the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. This is where the believers who are raptured will be rewarded for their works. God is not, listen, you're not judged for your sin. That took place on Calvary. Jesus was judged for your sin. You are now under no condemnation. Amen. Amen. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. He took it all on Calvary. But so why are we standing to be rewarded, to receive our awards that we, that he has given us for the works that we do. And by the way, just a reminder, you're not getting rewarded for somebody else's works. Y'all, y'all hear me? In other words, in other words, you can't say, uh, I was part of temple if temple done something. You're only part of temple if you did it with temple. So when you shout about all these churches being planted and you didn't give nothing, you ain't getting nothing. Come on. There was a fella, there was a fella uh, at my dad's church when he was pastoring and they were wanting to build a, a fellowship hall <clears throat> and, and, and he gave my dad so much grief over that. I mean, he didn't want to do, he fought it all the way, didn't want it to happen. And, and, but, you know, they, they, they ended up doing it, building it, worked hard, put it all. He never put a dime in it, never put an effort on it, uh, put it in the grief. But, but when visiting preachers, he'd come, he'd go up to them visiting preachers and say, man, look what we did. And my dad would want to choke him to death. <laughs> but he was a pastor, not a deacon. So he couldn't do that. Amen. Amen. Say amen, brother Mickle. Say amen. I'll sick brother Mickle on you. Amen. We're going to get rewarded for what we do. Each individual Christian, each individual believer will be rewarded for their individual works at the judgment seat of Christ. Then we said the tribulation is going to take place. Seven years of tribulation, seven years of judgment upon this earth. Seven years of God getting the attention of people judging this earth, removing and dealing with sin. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And man, there's so much to learn. I don't want to rehash it all, but I just want to remind everybody because a lot of times we look at the tribulation period and think, man, what an awful God. Why would he do that in such a, a calamity and such a horrifying thing? But you've got to understand he's doing everything he can to get their attention. Three different sets of judgments. Three different times the Bible says, and they refused to repent. Not only did they refuse to repent, they blasphemed God, even though they knew where it was coming from. And the Bible teaches us clearly why that is. The Bible teaches clearly why that is. Because their deeds were evil. Man will not turn to God because he loves his sin and his wickedness more than he loves God. And so the tribulation period takes place. Then we see the Lord's return. He's coming back. Amen? Amen. Now he comes back in the air for the rapture and we are joined with him in the air. But at the end of the tribulation period, he comes back to this earth in that bodily form. He comes to this earth to rule and reign. So we said the Lord's return. And then we preached on Armageddon. Armageddon, the great battle between evil and good and good wins. <clears throat> Armageddon. Right after Armageddon is the preparation for the kingdom. That is the judgment of the sheep and the goats. How many of y'all remember that? 
all those who are all those who are left alive on this earth in their 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 physical bodily mortal form uh, they're going to be separated from the believers and the unbelievers. The goats are the unbelievers. The sheep are the believers and only sheep will go into the kingdom. All right. The millennial reign comes after that. 1000 years, 1000 years of Christ's rule on this earth and a perfect rule in an, in an environment that is, uh, such a good environment that if you die at a hundred years old, they're going to say you was a young man. It is going to be incredible. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. You know, that is the time when, when God reverses the curse, really. Uh, not completely. Not completely. You got to understand, there will still be death. And there will still be people who revolt and rebel against God. Which is really hard to believe. That at the end of the thousand year reign, after there were millions and millions and millions and millions of people born during this thousand year reign... There's going to be one last uprising. He's going to turn the devil loose. And I, I almost forgot about that. Before the millennium, God, he changed the devil, right? He puts him into captivity, but he turns him loose one more time. And we discussed that. We said, why in the world would he do that, man? If he's chained up, leave him there. But the point is, is God is going to prove once and for all that even if man was raised and, and led in a perfect environment, his heart is still wicked. And there are going to be people that have a perfect king, have really a perfect environment, but yet still rebel against God. Satan's going to deceive millions of people, but God is going to snuff it out. It's going to be done. He's going to throw the devil in the lake of fire, say amen. And then we're going to have the great white throne judgment. That is the next thing on God's calendar. Why do we have the great white throne then? Because that is when all of the sinning that's going to be sinned is going to be sinned. Every sinner will be there. The great white throne is for the judgment of the sinner. It is not for the saint. It's not for the child of God. His sins was judged on Calvary. They were taken care of. The only people standing at this judgment will be the lost. Those who do not know Christ. And they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. You say, why even have a judgment if they're all lost and they're all going to the same place? Because we learned that that it is the great white throne judgment. White representing purity, perfection. God is not going to put anybody anywhere that they don't deserve. All of hell, all of this lake of fire is not the same. There are different degrees. There are different degrees of judgment. There's different degrees of punishment. And if you want to know more about that, go back and listen to the lesson. But everybody's going to get what's coming to them. Are y'all with me? Now, after the great white throne is where we find ourselves tonight. The eternal state. When it's all said and done, what is going to take place? Now, if we go back, if we go back to chapter 20, if we go back to chapter 20 in verse number 11, let's do that for just a second because it's kind of, it's kind of setting the stage for verse or chapter 21, chapter 20, verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face, the what the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them, no place for them, which leads us to revelation chapter 21. And I saw a, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Now, first of all, if we're going to, we're going to look at really the theme, the theme of tonight in the eternal state is new things, new things. Look what he said in Revelation 21, five, it's at the top of your notes. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, say it with me. I make all things new. Say it again. I make all things new. Now, this is what we're going to look at tonight. Several things, several new things. What new things do we find in the eternal state? Number one, if you're taking notes, we see the new creation. There's going to be a new creation. Now, a new heaven and a new earth. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, uh, when he says a new heaven, sometimes when we think heaven, we automatically think the place where God's hanging out. Okay, because when we die, we go to 
heaven. That's what we say. That's the place where God, but keep in mind in the Bible, there are three heavens. Okay. There are three heavens. You know, Paul said, Paul said that there was a time when he went to the third heaven. So let's identify, let's identify these heavens. First of all, you have the first heaven. That is the atmosphere that we breathe. That's where the birds fly. That's where the clouds are. That's where the wind is. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. That's the heavens. Okay. Then you have the space, the the place where the sun, the stars, the, the planets, the galaxies, all of that in the universe. That is the second heaven. All right. We have men who've made it to the first heaven. Right. They made it, Orville Wright, come on y'all, y'all know. They made it to the first heaven. Now they've made it to the second heaven. They've made it to the second heaven. But here's the thing. There was a Russian cosmonaut that said when he made it to space, he looked around, he was an atheist. And he said, I've looked everywhere and God is not here. He's one heaven short. Because beyond the second heaven is the third heaven. It is the place where God dwells. It is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. And so when he says a new heaven and a new earth, I believe he's in reference to our first heaven. In other words, the polluted part, the polluted area, possibly, possibly even the second. Because any trace of where evil was, then it's going to be destroyed. That's the whole point. God is going to destroy any semblance, any, any reminder at all of sin, wickedness, or anything that corrupts. Are y'all with me? And so I know that the the devil is the prince of the power of the air and, and all that he had access to is going to be destroyed. Now look what the Bible says, Isaiah, Isaiah 65, 17. And we know what the earth is. The earth is where you're walking. All right. Isaiah 65, 17, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. So the first and second heaven, I, I, I believe is what he's talking about. And the former shall not be remembered. Now think about that. You know, a lot of people say, well, I preach here. Are we, are we going to really be able to enjoy heaven if we remember our loved ones or, or if we know of somebody that's going to be in hell? According to this verse, that covers all of that. We're not going to remember anything about the former way, the former life, the former earth, the former uh, pain and sorrow and suffering. Anything about this earth, it's going to be all brand, brand new, brand new. Look what he says. He said, the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. Isaiah 66, 22. For as the new heavens... And the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. That's talking about the, the nation of Israel, and we'll get to that at the end. Second Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be what? Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens shall be on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Preacher, what are you saying? That brand new car you got, it's gone. All the things that man is killing themselves over, killing each other over, or fighting over, warring over, struggling over, fretting over, worrying about, it's all going to be gone. Gone. Shamel with fervent heat. Preacher, do you believe in global warming? Yep. But I think it's going to get real warm all at one time. God's going to destroy it. God's going to obliterate it. He's going to melt it. He said the first time he'd store it, he did it with water. He wouldn't ever do that again. We have the, the, the rainbow as a covenant promise that God would never flood the earth again. But one day he's going to totally destroy it. Totally destroy it. Man's corrupted everything. You, you ever notice everything man touches, he messes it up. When man sinned in the garden, he did not just corrupt himself. 
He did not just bring a curse upon himself, but the universe was cursed. The earth was cursed. The Bible says in Romans that the earth is groaning, groaning as in a a mother in travail and in labor. And God is going to destroy it all. He's going to destroy it all. Two things in this new creation. First of all, we see over and over there's no curse. There's no curse. Hallelujah. I don't really have time to go into all the curse, but you can go back to Genesis and look at everything that came with the curse. Suffering, difficulty, sickness, disease, thorns, thistles. Got to work by the sweat of our brow. You get tired, fatigue. All that stuff came with a curse. But God's going to, there's going to be no more curse. No more curse. And then B, there's no separation. He says in verse 21 or chapter 21, verse one, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. There was no more sea. You say, what is that about? If you will, if you will notice a map, if you will notice a map, you can take all the continents and put them together like a puzzle. And I challenge you, go look at a globe or go look at a world map. And you say, why is that? Because at one time they were all together. And God separated them. God separated the people. You can go back to the Tower of Babel when man came together and God said, we're not going to have this. And God separated the languages. God separated the people. He separated the continents. And it was a type of judgment. It was a type of separation. And God's going to take all that away. There's not going to be any sea anymore. God's, we're all going to be together. All right, so in the new creation, there's no curse, there's no separation, there's no sea. But then number two, I want you to see a new city. A new city. It's called New Jerusalem. Verse number two. We're going to read verse number two. And, and then we will, jump, uh, we will jump down to verse number nine. Verse number nine. Verse two, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse nine. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the city. So you're, you're thinking about a person. You're thinking he's fixing to show you a, a, an individual. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great what? Now in verse nine, he calls it the bride, the lamb's wife. Verse 10, he calls it the city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. Now a city is not the buildings and the bricks and the mortar. A city is the people that makes up the city. Y'all with me? And so who makes up the city? The bride, the bride, the wife of Christ. Okay. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God in her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates and on the north three gates and on the south three gates and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations and them the names of the 12 apostles of the land. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lies four square and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. In other words, it was a cube, four square cube, perfectly uh, the same distance and same length. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth whatever you want to call that. The 11th, a jacinth and the 12th an amethyst and the 12 gates were 12 pearls, 12 solid, one individual pearl is made up the gate. 
Every several gate was one pearl and the street of the city was pure gold and it was transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein for the Lord God almighty and the lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it. And the lamb is the light thereof. So let's look at the new city. First of all, a look at its descent, write that word down. It's descent verses two and 10. And I, John saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, from God out of heaven, out of, so which heaven would that be? The third heaven. Okay. So don't, don't, don't get this mistaken. This city is not heaven. It's coming down out of heaven. Now it is going to be the dwelling place of the redeemed, but heaven is much bigger than just this city. Does everybody understand that? In other words, you have, you have New York city, which is in the United States. It's just one city in the United States. This city is coming out of heaven from God. All right. So this does not entail all of heaven. Okay. You, you, you cannot, you cannot contain God. He said that the heavens is his throne, just his throne and the earth is his footstool. All right. So if earth is his footstool, how are you, how are you going to contain him in a 1500 mile square cube? Are y'all with me? This is one city coming down out of heaven. All right. We see the descent B. We see it's design. It's design. It's a four square cube. Just like the Holy of Holies. Just like the Holy of Holies. So imagine, imagine a Holy of Holies coming out of heaven. A place, the city of God. It's design. It's a cube, 1,500 miles. See, write this down. It's dimensions. It's dimensions. 1,500 miles wide. 1,500 miles high, any which way, it's a perfect square, 1,500 miles high. All right? It's vertical. <clears throat> the walls are 200, two, I, I, I meant to write it down and I forgot, so I think it's like 261 feet wide is the, the, the walls around the city. Pretty cool dimension, say hey, man. I'm not going to go into detail of the rest of the stuff. I know they did that last week. So look at D, it's delight. Verses 18 through 23. We see the beauty of the city and all of the emeralds and all of the jewels. It is transparent. It is transparent. You say, why is it transparent? So the glory of God can reach from one end to the other. No matter, think about this. No matter where you're at in that city, you're going to be in his presence. His light and his glory is going to be radiating throughout the whole thing. Now, now some of y'all, some of y'all, I feel sorry for because you, you, you've never really been in a good show enough service where the power and his presence and the spirit of God's really thick in there. Uh, but if you ever do, you'll want it again. And that's what it's going to be like. It's one of them services where you just don't want to leave and you're just wondering what in the world God going to do next. And his presence is so manifest. His presence is so real. And, and it's going to be like that all the time, all the time in his glory, in his glory, man, that's, I'm telling you, say amen. amen. I got to hurry. Got to hurry. Cause that's the stuff I want to do. His delight It's details. It's details. It's 12 gates. 12 gates, 12 foundations, 12 gates are the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 foundations are the names of the 12 apostles. I think I got time. I'm going to give it to you anyway. Now this ain't in your notes. This is just something. Don't even try to keep up because I got to go fast. All right. The 12, the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, we know in a minute you're going to see where Israel will be on the new earth. All right, but there's a connection. There's a connection with the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is the bridal suite. Are y'all with me? 
is the bridal suite. It's the place that Jesus went to prepare. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. That is that new city, Jerusalem. That is his place for his bride. And, and, and so Israel will have its land that was promised to it eternally by God. So why, why are their names on the gates? Why are their names on the gates? All right. A gate is how you get through to where you're going. Does that make sense? Say amen. amen. And we know, we know that the only people inside are going to be saved. It's going to be the place, the residing place of the church. Now watch what the names, this is going to blow your mind. The names, and I'll just start with Dan. The name Dan, and and what you're going to see is a picture of salvation laid out in the names of the children of Israel. The word Dan, Dan is different than Daniel. Dan is not short for Daniel. Dan in the Bible, or Daniel, means God is my judge. But Dan means judged. Judged. Means condemned. You've been judged. You are condemned already. And so we find as a sinner, you can't get saved till you get lost. And every single person needs to understand that they have been judged. They have been condemned. He did not come into this world to condemn because we were condemned already. already. Dan means condemn. Reuben, Reuben means the Lord has seen me in my affliction. (laughs) Hey, how many of y'all are glad that God sees you? God sees you in your sin. God sees you in your mess. God sees you in your tribulation. God sees you in your trouble. God sees you in that pit. And he comes and he hears. Say amen. Amen. Dan, condemned. Reuben, the Lord has seen me in my affliction. Simeon means he's listening to me. He's listening to me. I waited on the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. I'm glad that it doesn't matter if you're a drunk. It doesn't matter if you're a drug addict. If you're, it doesn't matter if you're in the church house or the crack house or the waffle house. If you call on God, he will hear your prayer. He heard me. He's listening to me. Simeon says he's listening to me. Naphtali. Naphtali means I have wrestled and I have won. I have wrestled. What in the world does that mean? That means conviction. How many of y'all remember when God began to deal with you and your sin and you begin to wrestle with God? God was saying today is a day of salvation, but you would make excuse and you would say, not today, not today. And the devil would be pulling this way and God would be pulling this way. The service would be getting on and you would hold on to that bench and you'd say, oh, not today, not today. You were under great conviction. Now, listen, if you've never experienced that conviction, you've probably never been saved because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will draw you. Dan condemned Reuben. The Lord has seen me in my affliction. Simeon, he listened to me. Not to lie. I've wrestled. That is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Gad, G-A-D, Gad, a troop coming. How many of y'all know the devil's going to send everything in the world to keep you from trusting Christ? He's going to give you every excuse in the book. He's going to send wicked friends your way to try to stray and pull you away from God. But then Zebulun, Zebulun means he is my habitation. I live in him and he lives in me. Amen. He has come to know Christ. I'm so glad that when I got saved, I am in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Say amen. Levi. Levi means attached forever, attached forever. That's the eternal security of the believer. When you come to Christ, you're attached forever. You're sealed until the day of redemption. Amen. Got to hurry. Got to hurry. Listen, Levi attached forever. Judah, Judah means I will praise him. I will praise him. You know what the first thing a a, a believer does when he gets saved? He begins to praise God. He begins to realize what God has done for him. He begins to realize what God has provided for him. He begins to realize the hell that God saved him from and the heaven God's taken him to. And he can't help but praise him. 
Yeah, Judah, Judah, Asher. Asher means I am happy. I am happy. I just got to wonder. Some of y'all, I got to wonder if you're saved or not. Because you sure don't look like Asher. We ought to be happy. We ought to be rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Man, this world needs to see happy Christians. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. I am happy. Oh, then we have Joseph, the added one. The added one. And, and, and look, take, take Joseph's two sons here. We'll use Joseph's two sons here. Manasseh. Manasseh. You remember when, you remember when Joseph was treated so bad? All that man is throughout his whole life. He was thrown in a pit. Then he was lied about in Potiphar's house as a slave. That, old, that, that crazy woman lied about him, said that he tried to rape her. And that, that was a lie. He was put in prison. And then, and then God delivered him. Now he's on the throne. I'm going to tell you what now. If that had been me, I'd have had, she'd, she'd have had a bad day when I ascended the throne. But you know what? God gave him, God gave him a bride. That pride, that bride gave him a son. And you know what he named that son? Manasseh. And you know what Manasseh, you know what Manasseh means? All of my past is gone. <laughs> he said, all that happened to me, it's gone. All of my past is gone. All that they've done to me is gone. And I'm so glad when we come to Christ, I'm so glad we come to Christ. Listen, the devil may remember it. Your friends may remember it, but God says it's all gone. It's all gone. And then they say, hey, she's done had another youngin. What's his name? Ephraim. Ephraim. And that means fruit bearing. You know what that means? Every child of God should be bearing fruit. John 15, you remember, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you abide in me, and I abide in you shall bear much fruit. Listen, then we have old Benjamin. Benjamin means son of my right hand. Son of my right hand. Old Benjamin. You know, his mama, his mama died giving birth to him. I don't know if y'all remember that or not, that, that was Joseph's little brother. And, 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 and she, she was in bad labor. And, and it was just a bad deal. Well, as soon as he was born, uh, they said, hey, you have a son trying to encourage her. You know, they knew the midwives knew it was going bad. And she said, name him Ben and I. And, and, and that means son of my anguish, son of my sorrow. Well, Jacob just happened to be coming in. And they said, hey, she named him Ben. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to name him Benjamin, son on my right hand. You know, when you come to God... He adopted you into the family. Don't ever listen to this crowd. Don't ever listen to this worldly crowd who says we're all God's children. That's a lie. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. But you don't, you, you don't, you don't get in the family until you're adopted. Say amen. But boy, when we come to Christ, we're the son on his right hand. And then Issachar. Issachar is the last one. That means my hire. My hire, my pay means God's going to pay us. God's going to pay us. Isn't it funny that all the work we do for him, we do in his power. Basically, it's him doing it through us. But when we get to heaven, he gives us credit for it. Everything that gets done down here, it's not us that does it. It's his power through us. So it's him doing it. But when we get to heaven at the what? At the what? What was it? We just we just reminded you. Where do we get it? Judgment seat of Christ. He's going to act like you've done it all. And he's going to reward you accordingly. Say, preacher, what is the deal with the 12 tribes, the 12 names on them 12 gates? Listen, it is the Jewish people that led you to salvation. Our Savior came from the Jews. Our scriptures came from the Jews. Our salvation came from the Jews. Are y'all with me? Then we have 12 foundations, the 12 apostles. Obviously, we know, we know the church. Ephesians 
It says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Thank God for them 12 preachers who turned the world upside down. Amen. And I believe you can see a, a, a connection too. Uh, can't really prove this, but I, I just believe this so that there's a connection between the old covenant and the new covenant with the 12 gates and the 12 foundations. But anyway, anyway, that's the detail. Let's hurry. Number three. Y'all took too long to listen to that. Number three. Not only is there a new city, but number three, verse three. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. There's a new communion. A new communion. First of all, we see a provided access. A provided access. Ever since Adam sinned in the garden, man has truly been separated from God. We know, we know that there was a temporary tabernacle, right? There was a temporary tabernacle in the Old Testament even the temple where, where God's glory, his presence would be manifest in the Holy of Holies. But there were so many guards. There were so many limitations. There were so many obstacles to get to God. And, and even really the only one who could be in his presence. And that was in a cloud. Y'all understand that? That before the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, he would put the incense on the altar. The incense would cause a fog, a smoke. The incense would fill so that he would be covered and he would never see. He would never see the presence of God. He would never see the glory. If he did, he'd be incinerated. Moses said, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. God said, you can't see. No man can see my glory and live. Matter of fact, he put him in the cleft of the rock, put his hand over him to cover him, to keep him safe and went by and he let him see. It said what, when he passed by and basically what was left after he passed by. Do you realize the remnants, the, the remnants, what's left over as God passed by was enough to make Moses's face glow. God is light. His glory, his glory is manifest. Are y'all with me? But we're going to have access. We're, God is going to create in us. We have, a, we have a house in the heavens, not made with hands. And that house is talking about your body. We're going to have a glorified body that will be able to be in the very presence of God. We're going to have access. Uh, you know, we know when Jesus died on the cross that the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom so we could get to God. But still, we, we, we don't have access like we will have access. There is still separation. We are still sinful creatures. But that day, all sin will be done. All sin will be gone. We will be in a perfect eternal state. And we will be in the very presence of God. And access. We have provided access and there's going to be B, there's going to be perfect fellowship, perfect fellowship. There's something about, <clears throat> something about meals. You know, I've, I've learned this, that it's not really that we like to eat so much as we just like to fellowship. And Eating gives us an excuse to fellowship. And we, we, are, we are creatures who desire fellowship. And we're going to have a perfect fellowship. Look what it says. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. He will be with us. They shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. So we're going to have perfect fellowship. We're going to be able to walk with him like Adam did in the garden. Can you imagine? Then, then number four. Number four. There's going to be a new care. Verse four. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. 
for the former things are passed away. So you can put that list down. No more tears. No more tears. No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. That's a pretty significant list. Now think about this a minute. I don't want to draw this out, but pain, pain is basically a signal that something's wrong. It's something wrong. In other words, you have it, if, 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 if you have a pain in your arm, or pain, then there's something wrong. It is a signal to you that there is something missing or something is wrong. And when they takes away the pain, he's going to take away everything that is wrong. Anything that causes that, that's, that's what that means. It doesn't mean, I, I truly believe, it doesn't mean that, you know, we're all going to be squalling when we land. And he's going to have a tissue there for everybody when he walks by. I don't think that's what that's referencing. I, I believe he, anything that has caused us grief, anything that has hurt us in our life, Anything that has brought discouragement or distress, anything that has brought sorrow, mourning, death, everything that hurts us, everything that is wrong, anything that causes pain, God's taking it away. A new care. And in in, verse four, and one of God's angels shall wipe away Oh, no. God is going to be personal. God is going to be personally, intimately involved in caring for his people. It's kind of like what Preacher McCormick said Sunday. You know, God wants to be involved, right? Jesus, what what was the point? Participation? I think it was was, a participation. God wants to participate in our life. So there's going to be a new new care. Number, Number five. Number five, there's a new citizenship in, in, in the city. There's a new citizenship in the city. Who's going to be in the city? The Bible says in verse number six, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God. And he shall be my son. So we have two, two, really two descriptions. He that thirsteth and he that overcomes. Now we know who the overcomers are. Now some people, some people misquote the Bible and mis, uh, uh, misapply the Bible and say the overcomer is the one that holds out to the end. No, that's not what it means. An overcomer is a believer. The Bible clearly teaches that we have overcome by the blood of the lamb. You don't overcome by your perseverance. You, you don't overcome by your grittiness. You don't overcome by your ability to hold on. No, no, no. It, it, we all overcome by the blood of the lamb. And this is referencing the saved. So who's in the city? We see a, those included, those included will be the overcomers, the believer. You can put that the believer, those included in this city will be the church, the bride, the wife of Christ. Then B, we see those excluded. We see those included, verses 6 and 7, but then we see those excluded, verse number 8. But the fearful and unbelieving. Fearful and unbelieving. Now, the further you get, the further you get, this is, this. I don't know, this may just be me the way my mind thinks. I, I don't know, I don't know. But the first two at the list, the first, the top of the list. I mean, if you was going to, if you was going to make a list of people's being hell, you'd probably start with the worst, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd, you'd start with, a, with the one that's, that's the, the most wicked, the most vile, or, you know. But as you go down the list, it gets worse and worse and worse. But the ones he put at the top, the, lit, the characteristic at the top is just fearful. I don't know if that's because that will be the most amount of people will be in hell because of fear. 
or, or just simply unbelieving, there, there's going to be good old boys in hell. There's going to be, there's going to be old boys in hell that never smoked, never drank, never chewed, that didn't, you know, just a good person, never stole, very moral, but they just never would believe in Christ. And they're going to be in hell. But the Bible says the fearful. Now this fear, this fear could mean a fear of what people would think about them. A, pe- a fear of the repercussions of giving up something for Christ. But either way, either way, how many times have you talked to somebody or tried to witness to them? And the first thing they say, well, I haven't never hurt anybody. Or I haven't done this, or I haven't done that, or I've been a good person all my life. Well, it doesn't matter. The first person on the list is fear. The fearful, the coward, the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars shall have their part. There it is. There's that, 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 that truth that we learn. Everybody's not going to be in the same place. Everybody's not going to be in the same place. Everybody's going to be where they need to be, where they deserve to be. They have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So there's going to be people included and excluded. The believers, the saved, the born again, the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ will make up the city. Then number four, or actually number six, the new community on earth. This may be new to some of you guys. Who's going to make up the new earth? Who's going to hang out on the new earth? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 32, there is a distinction. There is a distinction on this earth. Give none offense, neither to the, that's a group, nor to the, that's another group, nor to the, now watch this. The church, the church is not the Jews nor the Gentiles. But there can be Jews and Gentiles in the church. Once people are saved, those who believe are now the church, neither Jew nor Greek or Gentile. We're all one together. God has taken away the separation. But watch this. In the millennium, excuse me, not the millennium, in the eternal state, after the millennium, after everything's been said and done, this is what's going to happen. First of all, we see the Jew. He is going to have an eternal home in the eternal state on the earth, on the earth. Isaiah sixty fifteen. Whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated so that no man went through thee. Watch this. Read it with me. I will make thee an. What kind? Eternal. It's referencing to the eternal state. To to forever. All right. This is not the millennium. This is the eternal state. This is after the millennium. This is from here on out. From now on. Genesis 17, 8. And I will give unto thee and thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger all the lands of Canaan for and what? Everlasting. Everlasting. That's eternal. That's the eternal state. And I will be their God. Isaiah 66, 22. For as the new heavens, now we're talking about the new heavens and the new earth. This is the eternal state. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, So shall your seed, talking about the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, and your name remain. Now, some people have tried to say that in the eternal state, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, we're just all people. We're just all the same. We're just all, that's not true. That's not true. Not according to these verses. God has ordained them for eternity. God has blessed them, separated them promised them, given them this land grant, this land grant for eternity, for eternity, not just a millennium. Now watch, now watch. Oh man, I cut my sentence out. Boy, I had something good on there. Anyway, I'll get back to it. 
All right, so we have the Jews. So for in the eternal state, there's going to be a nation of Israel. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. They're going to have their land. God's going to designate them their land, their land grant. I believe it's right where they are right now. Uh, but it's going to be from, from, from sea to the Euphrates, from the Euphrates River to the Nile River. And it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. But they're there. They are there in the eternal state. But also, but also, there's going to be Gentiles in the eternal state. I mean, that, that stands the reason. If there's Jews, there's going to be Gentiles, right? The non-Hebrew, the non-Hebrew descendants of Adam, the non-Hebrew descendants of Adam will be dwelling as 12 separate nations. 12 separate nations. Now let's read Deuteronomy 32, 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders and they will tell thee. When the most high divided to the nations their inheritance. When he separated the sons of who? Adam. He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. How many are the children of Israel? Twelve. The twelve tribes from the 12 sons of Jacob, Jacob changed His name was changed to Israel. So what are you saying in the eternal state? There's going to be 12 nations, 12 divisions of people who, who are not Jews and they're not the church. Some of y'all are catching on. Where's the church going to be in the city? Okay. So are, are there Jews in the church? Yes. Are there Gentiles in the church? Yes. Are there Jews not in the church saved? Yes. Are there Gentiles not in the church saved? Yes. Yes. All right. Think about this. All the millions of people, all the millions of people saved during the tribulation period who were Gentiles. They're not in the church because the church was raptured out before the tribulation began. The people that were saved during the millennial reign who became believers during the millennial reign, they're not in the church because the church was made up of the church age from the, from Pentecost till the rapture of the church. So now are y'all picking that up? So there are Jews that's not in the church. There are Gentiles that are not in the church. Then there are the, there are the church, the designated people who were saved from Pentecost Till the rapture of the church, who were Jew and Gentile. They are a separate individual group. Does that make sense? Amen. Now, what about these 12 nations? Does it say anything about them? Yes. Verse 24. Chapter 21, verse 24. Oh, my stars. We got one minute. Chapter 21, verse 24. You get there, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. If you're there, say amen. amen. And the what? Nations, the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. The light of what? The city. The light of the city, the glory of God that radiates out of the city. And the kings of the earth, we are in the eternal state, y'all. The kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no Watch this. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the into it, into it. Preacher, what are you saying? Each one of those 12 nations, designated, separated nations that God has made the bounds. They're going to have a king over them. And that king will be responsible for bringing Glory and honor and worship for his designated kingdom, designated nation on this earth into the celestial city to bring glory and honor to God through, I believe, I can't prove this, but I believe through a specific gate. How many gates are there? How many kings are there? How many nations are there? And they're going to come through the what? The gates. I believe there's a different gate for each nation. To bring in glory and honor forever and ever and ever and ever. And all God's people say it. 
I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, what about the church? Well, I had the verse printed and I forgot to put it on here. But the Bible says, in the ages to come, in the ages to come, that means eternity. God is going to spend eternity loving on you. Showing his grace and his love and his mercy toward his church. And I'll get the the verse. I had to look it up. I forgot to print it. But either way, y'all, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. The eternal state. Perfect fellowship. Complete access. No curse. No pain. No night. No sorrow. No tears. No death. No hospitals. No chemo. No cancer. No heart disease. No funeral homes. No coffins. No graves. No problem. Can we give God praise and glory? I'd like to add no worries. Yes. 